0: Well, that's the last time you'll have the same Bible reading in a row for probably quite a long time in in church. So we've had it for, I think, seven weeks now as we've explored the book of Ephesians. And I'll be picking up on verses 11 through 14, mainly this morning. But what an amazing adventure it's been in Ephesians. I'm trying to work out how you could have taught this passage in one go. And you would obviously have missed so much of the depth and detail and riches of it. Um, So let's pray and see if we can have a crack at the last three verses. Father, thank you so much for all that this passage reveals about the grace that you've lavished on us. That you've chosen us, accepted us, adopted us, sealed us, signed us and delivered us. And we pray, Lord, that you will open our eyes and our minds now to hear from you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Agamemnon was a man you shouldn't mess with if you know your um, classics. He was the man who had um, got the most beautiful woman of the world, Helen, to marry him. And he'd gone into a, a pact with all of the tribal chieftains or kings of Greece and said, if anyone causes trouble to any of us, then we've all got to fight together. We've all got to club together. And cleverly, it was him who needed the help going forward. Because Paris of Troy uh, took a fancy to Helen, as did almost every other man of the age, and kidnapped her, wooed her. Maybe she was a willing kidnappy. took her back to Troy. And in that memorable expression, hers was the face that launched a thousand ships. As the kings of Greece eventually got together and sailed off for a devastating war uh, that went on for years and years and years, and then produced the, uh, the Odyssey and the Iliad later on for us to reflect on in our Greek and Latin lessons at school if you were inflicted with such things as a child. And it was uh, the interesting thing about Helen is the length that Agamemnon will go to get her back, and he, he does eventually get her back. He's betrothed to her, he's married to her, and he's not going to let go of her. And there's not many parallels you'd want to draw between King Agamemnon of uh, of the ancient Greeks and the Lord God, but something of the tenacity of, I will not let go of you, is what we get from Ephesians 1, verses 3 to 14, and especially this final few verses we have here. Imagine having someone who would cause thousands of others to go to war on your behalf. (laughs) Imagine having someone who wanted you so much, they would chase after you with that further and with that intensity. And we have something of what God was willing to do for each of us, not in sending thousands of others to war so much as sending his most precious possession to go and seek after us. The verses here in the NIV are quite possibly not not the best translation, uh, verses 11 and 12. It makes it sound like it's all about us in verses 11 and 12. It makes it sound like we are chosen, uh, we're heirs, we're inheritors. When actually the the thrust of the, the passage, according to John Stott and others, is it's much more about what God gets out of it. And if you were here last week, you would have heard me describing a wedding ceremony. If you were here, and I was talking about how God the Father gets to be father of the bride, his adopted daughter, the church. And he walks her down the aisle and then marries her to his natural son, Jesus Christ, and brings them together in this amazing thing. And I was saying everything was worth it for that moment. And and the thrust of this passage is that, that we are his inheritance. It's not so much that we inherit him, but we are his inheritance. This is what he was working for. This is what he was longing for. And, and when we get to verse 13, it says we are marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. And the words in modern Greek uh, for seal is the word that's used of an engagement ring. We it would put an engagement ring on our finger, saying that you are one day going to be married to Christ it's going to happen it's not a tenuous engagement where it might be broken off by some unscrupulous character this is an engagement with the most loyal loving dedicated person who already knows everything about you (laughs) so he's not gonna bring in an opt-out clause and because we've been marked with this seal Because we've got this sign, we're we're delivered. And we have this deposit that guarantees our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit, then, is the sign that you are okay as a believer. And that's probably worth us spending a few minutes just thinking on, isn't it? How do you know if you're okay as a believer when trouble comes your way? I've, um, since speaking last week, I was speaking a, a little on the euthanasia debate last week and, uh, and how actually every breath we have is important. And you may have picked up more on the news this week. Maybe you heard the Bishop of Worcester talking about his wife who died last year. If you didn't hear that, it was a very memorable part of the debate. He, he was saying that his wife had died very prematurely, but he was so glad that it wasn't even more prematurely. <laughs> Because she actually had a beautiful relapse where they had three wonderful months together that meant the world to him. It's a very poignant part of a debate where someone can speak so personally about something that's just happened to him in the last year. He's a lovely man, John Inge. The, um, you know, this, this week I've um, spent a little bit of time visiting some people where where life's not going so well for them and things are struggling. And... Whereas last week I was saying, look, every moment counts. (laughs) We're for the praise of his glory. It's evident, isn't it, in our society that some things are stacked up against us feeling like every moment counts, or even practicing that for every person. Whereas in ancient Greek culture, the elders of the community were the elders of the community. In our culture, it sounds a bit more like the story I told last week (laughs) of the uh, the sort of home on the outside of town where where people get parked and put away that that boy had in mind until he met that wonderful old lady. These are hard issues, aren't they, for us to cope with because there's no easy answer in our society. Our family system doesn't work in the way it did a hundred years ago. People have moved apart. I know some people I visit, their children are in the Antipodes, <laughs> It's hard even to fit a phone call in in waking hours. And some of us don't have family or children or even nephews or nieces around us. And then others are looking upwards and trying to care for elderly relatives and wondering how to fit it in. And many I know in our church are trying to fit in both childcare and then helping the next generation up all at the same time and feeling pulled in extraordinary ways. When we had the home weekend... We had a little seminar that Andy Johnson led on on that sort of stretching pool when you, you're trying to care for a generation up and a generation down at, at the same time. And there's much in our society that, that makes so many people, so many people feel useless so much of the time. Have you, have you ever had those feelings? Extraordinarily, it's not necessarily what you might think as the usual suspects who feel like that. Sometimes it's people in full employment, people who on the outside you might think they've got everything going for them. People can be utterly lonely in a marriage. They can feel utterly isolated having children. They can feel lost and useless in a career. How come the scripture says that we're worth so much when our feelings or our society seems to suggest we're worth so little? One has to imagine that god probably has got it right and we've got it wrong <laughs> i think that's a fair assumption and when he says he says this one thing he says i've got an engagement ring a seal on you if you're a believer and this is a guarantee and this is the holy spirit so how do we know if we've got the guarantee how do we know if we've got the holy spirit Paul in another passage says, examine yourself. I trust you find you have the Holy Spirit in you. The Holy Spirit's something that, that we generally know when we've, when we've met him, when we've encountered him. But he's not just an experience, although he can be a wonderful experience and very close. Maybe you've encountered him just pounding on your heart in a talk or a sermon or in a, a hymn where it's been resounding and you've gone, yes, yes. But actually, the, the sign that you have the Holy Spirit in Scripture is very, very simple. It's not any feeling or experience you've had. It's whether you can say one phrase. Do you know what it is? One simple phrase is the sign that you have the Holy Spirit, the sign that you have the deposit, the sign that you have the engagement ring that guarantees your inheritance forever. It's just one very simple phrase. It was the mantra of the early church. The early church, you were asked to say that Caesar was Lord. Do you know what the phrase is? Jesus is Lord. See, it says in Scripture that no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. If you can say that Jesus Christ is my Lord, then you have the Holy Spirit. And if you have the Holy Spirit, then you have an engagement ring. And if you have the engagement ring, you are going to get married To the King of Kings, (laughs) the Lord of Lords, the Lamb of God, who sacrifices everything for you. If you have the Holy Spirit, then you have it all. You have it all. And if you have it all, if you're married to the King, then you are a face that would launch a thousand ships in God's eyes. (laughs) And he would give it all for you. And you are worth immense things in his sight. You are precious beyond measure and he's already launched a thousand ships of angels with his son bringing him to earth and he's going to launch them again when he comes back again in glory if jesus christ is lord then you're on a one track non-returnable route to the wedding of the lamb and it guarantees your inheritance until the redemption of those who are god's possession to the praise of his glory you see, the, the thrust of this passage that God looks at you and he chose you. Verses 11 and 12, it's talking about how he chose Israel as his portion, the Jews as his portion, but a parallel to us. And then verse 13, it adds us in and says, you were also included when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, and having believed, you were marked in him. In other words, you heard that Jesus was Lord, You heard the truth, the gospel, and you believed, and you were marked in him. Another way of looking at that seal is is one of those old-fashioned seals we don't use much anymore, do we? The candle wax poured in, and then the king's seal stamped on it. (laughs) No one else can open it, except for the king. You're sealed. Signed, sealed, and delivered, if you like, in the words of of the modern hymn or song. So when does worth run out if you are a princess or a queen? <laughs> I saw a, um, a mock cartoon um, this week of, uh, uh, and maybe it's a bit unfair to share, but it was of um, Prince Charles putting his mother into a nursing home <laughs> saying, don't worry, dear, we'll come and see you next month. <laughs> you don't do that to a queen, do you? <laughs> And our family circumstances may mean that's the most loving or best thing that we might do in, in our relatives, and maybe it's the best place some of us will be in some stages. But God doesn't think of us like someone to park away or sideline. Do you see? Your royalty, your royalty in his eyes. And everything you have counts. It's important, it's special, it's wonderful. You're very precious in his sight and very loved. Right down to the last breath. And every breath that cries out, hallelujah, hosanna, praise the Lord, extends the kingdom of God on this earth. Every breath that cries out in prayer and intercession changes the universe, (laughs) changes the world. Some of our friends in this congregation aren't, aren't well at the moment. Um, Pam, true, you'll be sad to know, just had a, a very minor heart attack. I was speaking to a hero, her daughter, yesterday. And um, she'll need our love and our care. Mary, Mary Worswick, who's in, featured in Beacon on the Green, I was talking about her last week. She's uh, had a fall and is in hospital. I'm so glad we've got such a lovely pastoral team. And everywhere I go, I find that other people have visited before I have. Um, looking after people in the church. But I was struck last week by some of the responses that Pam and others made, actually, after the service. Just saying, you know, thank you for saying that, that we have value. <laughs> and you know, that's the truth, isn't it? We have a great value. It's not measured in how useful we are to other people. It's just measured in who we are, in God's sight. You are, if you want a phrase for today... A face to launch a thousand ships in God's mind. That's who you are. A face to launch a thousand ships. And that doesn't change. It keeps you safe until we get that inheritance in heaven. Let's love and, in the words of the marriage service, cherish each other. Because we know that's what God does to us. Amen.